Welcome to the Burden and Blessing Podcast, a study and discussion forum on the truth of God's Word. Our Bible study series examines a specific part of God's Word of Truth. We pray that through this study your faith will be built up and you will grow in your knowledge and understanding of God's Word through what you hear. Welcome back to our Burden and Blessing Podcast as we continue on our series of the Book of Psalms. Joining me once again today is Pastor Nathaniel Mayhew. As we look at these psalms in chronological order, Nathaniel, do you want to explain why this psalm is where it is for today? Well, that's a little complicated, but... I know, that's why I gave it to you. (laughs) Uh, Some of these psalms have no historical connection. There are times, though, that there are implied historical connections that we can't be sure We can't be certain of where they fall or who was the writer. There's nothing in the scriptures themselves that tell us who the specific holy writer is of Psalm 113. But there are a couple of interesting connections between this psalm and Samuel. And so we're taking this one second. We started off with Psalm 90, which was written by Moses. We know that for sure because it tells us that in the scriptures. This one does not directly connect us to Samuel, but there are some interesting connections to the hymn of praise that Hannah prayed when she desired a child and the Lord then gave her, answered her prayer and gave her Samuel. So there are some that uh, feel that it is possible that Samuel is the holy writer used by the Holy Spirit in order to pen this particular psalm. And there are some interesting connections, especially in verse 9, that tie us back to the account of Samuel. Why don't you go ahead and read through the psalm for us then, please. Okay, we're going to be using the ESV. It begins, Praise the Lord. Praise, O servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. From the rising of the sun to its setting, the name of the Lord is to be praised. The Lord is high above the nations and his glory above the heavens. Who is like the Lord our God, who is seated on high, who looks far down on the heavens and on the earth? He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with princes, with the princes of his people. He gives the barren woman a home, making her the joyous mother of children. Praise the Lord. So there are a couple of other interesting features in the Psalm 2, Neil. Psalm 113 is one of the Hallel Psalms, and we get that word Hallel from the Hebrew word praise, which occurs five different times in the psalm. And this psalm was actually used by the Jews in the Old Testament in their celebration of the Passover. So there's also an interesting connection, going back to Moses even, of the celebration of the Passover and how the Lord delivered them from the Egyptians and then the resulting praise that Israel gave to the Lord. If you think about the crossing of the Red Sea in Exodus chapter 15, the hymn of praise after wiping out the Egyptian army, they sing a hymn of praise to the Lord saying, who is like this God and what everything that he has done to the Egyptians through the the plagues of Egypt and now wiping out the army through the crossing of the Red Sea. So a neat connection, again, going tying us back to Moses and the Exodus, 
but also so with some other interesting characteristics that take us to other parts in Old Testament Bible history. I like that you explain the Hallel there because we're familiar with the word hallelujah and that Hallel is praise, like you said, and then the Yah would be the basically abbreviation of Jehovah, so you have praise the Lord there. And this is one of those short psalms in this section of Hallels that ha begins and ends with praise the Lord. So you have the hallelujah at the beginning at the end, which is also a great reminder when we use it in our worship service so often, we sing the hallelujahs after readings and so forth. And again, it would have been much like the children of Israel would have done in those days. Of why are we praising the Lord right now? And that's the question that you ask in verse five. That's what the Lord says there. Who is like the Lord, our God? And you gave some examples of that in those Old Testament times. I'm thinking of the ascension itself. We happen to be recording this on ascension. And then it points to the fact that in verse five, who is like the Lord, our God, who dwells on high? It reminds us of Christ's ascension seated at God's right hand and pointing that, yeah, his glory is above the heavens. It covers all the earth. He is above all nations, as it says in verse four. He looks down from the heavens on earth and reminds us that he's in control of all things. And that's why his name is used here, you know, this eight times to show that his name is worthy of praise. Unlike, like you mentioned, the other gods of this world, contrary to the gods of this world, his name is worthy of praise because of what he does for us. You know, you tied in, Neil, to the name of the Lord. And I think that's an important thing for us to remember too. Twice in verses one and two, the psalmist here points to the name of the Lord. And like you said, Yahweh or Jehovah, that occurs eight times throughout the verse here. Now, now twice, like you said, are they're, they're shortened forms, Yah, but the other six are Yahweh, the whole name of, of Jehovah God. And I can't help but think of the second commandment when I think of this. We talk about the name of God, the name of the Lord. And when we think of the second commandment, we think of a negative thing. The commandment says, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. But when Luther explains the second commandment, he tells us that, yes, there are things that we should not do with God's name, curse, swear, practice, witchcraft, lie, or deceive. But he says God wants us to use his name. And so he says we should use God's name, again, going back to Luther's explanation, to call upon him in the day of trouble, to pray, to praise. This psalm would be a great proof text for the second commandment, positive use of the name of God, to praise, praise Jehovah, and then to give thanks. So we don't want to just think of the commandments as something that is negative, something that God is saying, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. He says, I want you to use my name. It is for your good. I have given you my name. Use it. Use it to pray. Use it to praise. Use it to give thanks. So hopefully we don't miss that in those opening verses, Psalm one, uh, verses 1 and 2 of Psalm 113. Well, yeah, and it brings it up in verse three as well, you know, as far as how often we do this. And I think, you know, if you have your, I have my Bible open here. I take, I've been taking notes when we do our studies here, when we discuss these things. And what I love is that from the rising of the sun to its setting, you think about why is it a constant thing? That's why when it begins with all this praise, we have reason to praise the Lord at every moment that we are awake or sleeping and that's why i like the way it transitions like you have it there in the verse five 
who continues to be like the Lord. And it says very clearly in verses seven, eight, and nine. So I'd like to focus a little bit on what's the, why do we praise the Lord? Why is he far above all the other gods of this world? And I really am fascinated verse seven, where it says he raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap. First glance would say, well, poor is going to be poor in possessions, material things of this world. But the con text of all of God's word when the Lord looks at poverty is always talking about the poor in spirit a majority of the time obviously Jesus says in the New Testament you'll always have the poor with you but me you will not always have and I think that idea that the poor from the dust is the poor in spirit is that we are brought to the dust we are humbled because of our need for a savior and so my translation here in the New King James says he lifts the needy out of the ash heap. And I love that because so many of the Psalms, like Psalms of David, point to the sorrow and repentance of one's sin. Who is like the Lord that he would raise us up out of this ash heap, out of this dust, out of the sackcloth and ashes because of the shame of our sin? What other God would do that? He does not condemn us. He continues to show us mercy and we need him to show us that mercy. And so I love that verse seven because it reminds me of how he continues to point to his love and compassion. And that's why that he answers that question, who is like the Lord our God that shows this kind of mercy and raising the poor in spirit from the, the dust or that you could translate that as the dung heap, you know, what we deserve because of our wages of our sin and yet he continues to sit us with the princes and the people and his people you know there's a lot of stories you could tell on that but i'm always amazed by the one where the king had that servant that was worthless and had no one wanted that person in their life and they kept spitting on that person and walking past and they, the outcast of the world and yet the lord takes that that person and brings him into his throne and puts a new robe on him just like you think about the prodigal son too and that we talked about in some of our other psalms you know and that's such a wonderful image of what our king has done for us when he raises up us out of the dung pile out of our sin and sets us in his heavenly places as his own people you know there's another thing i think that's really neat about verse six you you took a look at verse seven and the ash heap but verse six now the esv translates it a little bit differently the esv translates it who looks far down on the heavens and the earth but the new king james and other translation uh, translations translate that who humbles himself to behold the things that are on in the heavens and the earth and that idea of humility, that is a really neat idea. What other God, this, this builds right on verse five. Who is a God like you? When you take a look at the gods of the world, what do you see? You see arrogant jerks. And yet the Lord is different. And you mentioned Jesus earlier on here as we record on Ascension Day. And we celebrate Jesus' ascension back into heaven. But what does that remind us of? The fact that he humbled himself and he left his throne on high to become man in our place, who humbles himself to look down on the needy, on the poor, on the barren. That demonstrates a beautiful characteristic of God that is so valuable for us in our lives, that God would 
that he would even consider to think about us, to respect us to the point that he wants to redeem us back to himself, to reconcile us as his own. So that is a beautiful aspect of this Psalm too. And I think, again, if you back up to Samuel, think about that. Here was Hannah. She didn't deserve that, but she prayed to the Lord and the Lord didn't have to answer her. But he humbled himself in order to answer her prayer, to give her something that she didn't even deserve. But it demonstrates the mercy and compassion of the Lord. So that's that's one of my favorite parts of this particular psalm is showing the, the nature of our God and why he is worthy of our praise because of who he is and what he does, even though we are so undeserving, really emphasizes the grace of God. You know, the other thing that's interesting when you mentioned Samuel earlier on in his life, you look at it later on in his life and everything you said about Samuel was the prophet who anointed the first king and was against that. So you see a, a look into the people's lives of what they wanted. They wanted a leader. They wanted a king that would serve them, that, that, would, that would be the one that would continue to lead them through this tough world and all the fights that they had. It's so amazing to think about any king that's worth his weight would be one that is humble, that is willing to step out of his throne, to be among the people, to fight for the people, to go to war, not stay back at home like David got in trouble with, as we'll talk about in a different psalm. But that whole idea is that why is, you know, so often when I think of Nathaniel, the king of kings and lord of lords, I always think of, well, he's the king of kings because he's far more powerful than the rest of the kings. But what we're reminded here in this psalm is that Yes, he's powerful in the first four verses. We see that. But what we're pointing out here, what we're seeing through the Holy Spirit and his word here is that he's the king of kings because of his compassion, because of his mercy on his people. And he's doing exactly what the people wanted in an earthly king. And that's what we have in Christ to come among us, to be our God and leader, to be our king, and to be the one who's going to continue to lift us up when we do not deserve to follow him you know we've we've totally betrayed him we've totally we've totally committed treason against our king and yet he comes to lift us up out of the prison that we deserve and that's what christ has done for us and his work and coming and like you said so well with verse six i, I like the new king james version translation better who who humbles himself to serve us and, and that's such a powerful thing for us to rejoice in and, and hallelujah praise the lord right right uh, yeah and let's go back once again to the, the connection to the Passover, Neil. We had talked about that connection earlier on too. But now fast forward a little bit. So we've brought in, let, let's call this the incarnation, right? The humility, the humbling of Jesus becoming man. And I remember one person who said once that we should see Christ in all of the scriptures. And here, here's where we have this glimpse of Jesus in Psalm 113. But now think about the connection between Psalm 113 and the use by the Jews related to the Passover. When they began the celebration of the Passover, they would use Psalm 113 and the next Psalm, Psalm 114. And when they were done with the Passover, they would use Psalm 115 and 116, which would have been the Psalm in the Gospels. We're told when they had finished supper, they went out after they had sung a hymn. That would have been Psalm 115, 116, uh, you know, those last couple of Psalms of these, this Hillel section. But now what replaces the Passover for us as New Testament believers is 
the Lord's Supper. And again, we see Christ's body and blood present here with us, him humbling himself and giving himself of his body and blood for his church, for his people, for the forgiveness of sins. So when we, we look at the connection to the Passover or the Lord's Supper, again, what a beautiful reminder of the privilege that we have that the Lord has given to us. He's humbled himself and all the more reason for us, as you said, to praise the Lord. When we come to the Lord's house and we receive his body and blood in bread and wine, praise the Lord for the forgiveness he has, he has won for us, for, for him giving of himself to us. So another neat connection there as he lifts us up and gives us exactly what we need in our time, even though we are, like you said, in the dust heap or the, the, the refuse heap, the Lord comes to us in our need and he gives us exactly what it is that we need. Super encouraging short psalm here. And I think if you're writing things down in your Bible, you know, some good cross references that you maybe don't see in your Bible would be like Exodus 15, verse 11, which you mentioned, you kind of quoted that earlier. Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, glorious in holiness, fearful in praises, doing wonders? Jeremiah 10, 6 through 7. You put that verse down. Did you, I don't remember you quoting that, did, did you? No, I did not. But I think that's another one that fits in nicely with that verse five. There is no one else like the Lord. And, and he goes on. Why? Why don't you read that one? Uh, Inasmuch as there is none like you, O Lord, you are great and your name is great and might. Who would not fear you, O king of the nations? For this is your rightful due. For among all the wise men of the nations and in all their kingdoms, there is none like you. Then I dropped in one that I think fits with that as well, too, because we talked about this exaltation of the Lord, too. You mentioned the humiliation, but so much of the first part, you know, first five verses speaks about his exaltation. I put in a good connection, one to Psalm 97, verse 9. Do you want to read that one? Sure, Psalm 97. For you are the Lord most high over all the earth. You are exalted far above all gods a couple of really interesting thoughts in those verses. I like the rhetorical question at Jeremiah 10, where Jeremiah says, who wouldn't fear you, the king of the nations? You know, of, of course, it's, it's, that, it's that question that has the negative response. Of course, that's what we should do. You know, there's nobody who in their right mind would not want to praise you. And then the Psalm that you bring in, tells us why, because he is the most high over all of the kings, over all of the nations, over every kingdom. That's who God is. And because he is, he is worthy to be praised. Think of all of the things, famous people, famous individuals that people in our world praise today. And they are nowhere near deserving of the praise that the Lord is. But so often in our society, people give more praise to these famous people than they do to the Lord. And Jeremiah and there in Psalm 97, the, the point is that that's just not right. That's not the way it should be. Praise the Lord for he is the most high. Yeah, I don't know if I have much more to comment on besides this. I know we talked about the law and gospel and these, and we see so much of the law and gospel and all the Psalms, which we'll definitely look forward to investigating and seeking. You know, we talk about the law and our sinful condition here. We mentioned the poor, needy, the barren, and how we talk about repenting in sackcloth and ashes. Isaiah speaks about all flesh is grass. Genesis 3, we, 
We're reminded when Adam Eve fell in the sin, dust you are, to dust you shall return. And yet the Lord continues to come down to see if there's any righteous among men in the sense of those faithful who believe in him, just like he did in Genesis 11 or just like he did in Genesis 19 and 20 with Sodom and Gomorrah. And he still does that today. And so we can be thankful that the gospel does what it points to that mercy and grace of the Lord provides for our needs. So I don't know if you had any other comments on the law and gospel here, but you did mention that we seek Christ in all scriptures and Psalm 113 definitely points to the mercy of our Lord and our savior, Jesus Christ. I just had a thought as we were going through this, Neil, and it's not something that struck me when we were studying Psalm 90, the first Psalm, but just an encouragement for those who are maybe joining us. When you have the opportunity to listen to this podcast, maybe sit down with your Bible, just like Neil and I are doing today. We're sitting down with our Bibles and we're going through here and we're studying the cross references. We're, right, we're making notes in our own Bibles in order to benefit our, for ourselves from the truths that we are learning from God's word in the, in the study of it. And, and maybe that's an opportunity for you too, to sit down with this podcast with your own Bibles and get them out and make some notes in these Psalms as we go along in order for the Lord to encourage you and to strengthen you and, and then to reinforce those truths in your own minds through your own study of his word. What I would like to do, Neil, is close with a prayer Isaac Watts was one of the most familiar and famous English hymn writers, and he was best known for putting the Psalms to poetry, and he has a hymn that he wrote on Psalm 113, so I'd like to close with this particular hymn from Isaac Watts. Please do. Ye servants of the Almighty King, in every age his praises sing. Where'er the sun shall rise or set, the nations shall his praise repeat. Above the earth, beyond the sky, stands his high throne of majesty. Nor time, nor place his power restrain, nor bound his universal reign. Which of the sons of Adam dare, or angels with their God compare? His glories, how divinely bright, who dwells in uncreated light. Behold his love, he stoops to view what saints above and angels do, and condescends yet more to know the mean affairs of men below. With joy the mother views her son and tells the wonders God has done. Faith may grow strong when sense despairs. If nature fails, the promise bears. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us on this special psalm series, Unburdened Blessing. We look forward to, over the next probably years, as Nathaniel and I talked about, continue to work through these psalms and rejoice in all the doctrinal, scriptural comfort the Lord gives to us through his word. The Lord be with you on your day. We hope that you will join us again next week for another episode of Burden and Blessing Podcast as we continue to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Until next time, take confidence in your Savior's promise that he will always be with you, even to the end of the world.